Thank you for joining us this episode. Today, we're joined by Dr. Jeremy Sciano. We're going to be talking about forming a human connection and killing it with trunk shows on the OI show. Well, thanks again for joining us today. I have uh, my good friend, uh, Dr. Jeremy Sciano on with us. How you doing, buddy? It's good to see you. Great seeing you too, man. Yeah. Jeremy, tell us a little, uh, those who don't know where you practice and a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So I'm out of uh, Indianapolis right now. We've got two practices. One's a kind of an upscale high-end boutique kind of a practice, uh, private practice, obviously. And uh, then we also started off a pediatric spinoff about seven or eight years ago. And that's a completely different business. And it's a lot of fun having two different, it's like having two different kids and they're completely different. Yeah. Now, Jerry, you had an interesting approach to get into private practice. So tell us just a little bit of that that journey, that transition that you made. Sure. So I got out of school and like a uh, majority of the classmates, uh, we started off in one of those beautiful retail situations. And mm-hmm. uh, I took ownership of that as it was going to be my private practice, you know, kind of launching pad. And so I stayed five years at a, at a really good great experience at the commercial place. And then when we walked out the door, we opened up uh, a new practice. I wouldn't say it's cold because it was kind of mild. Uh, I moved uh, relatively close to my old commercial place. And then we started off right out of the gates and we, you know, we hit seven figures our first year out, which was a a big milestone. It was a goal for us to, to shoot for. And we've been growing. We're about to hit our 15 year anniversary in November. And we're super excited to uh, just have grown every single year since we've started. Yeah. So this was a lukewarm practice because a lot of the patients went with you when you left and opened a private practice outside, right? How, how did, um, how did those patients find you? Or was it just that they, they knew your name and they came over to the other practice? No, I mean, 15 years ago when the, that internet thing was kind of still starting out, it was, uh, it was a lot of those emails and phone calls and, and snail mail. And we did our homework and we, we marketed the heck out of the practice. And we came in, we, we retained about 70% of our patients from our commercial location, which was a lot more than I thought we would get, but it was it was pretty impressive. And we we stayed on. There was a lot of things that we did that were I would say unique, but um, you know we were just very aggressive. I've always believed in marketing. I, I think that getting the word out, uh, real simple philosophy we've always had is you you can't build a snowman unless you have snow on the ground. So we yeah. we sprinkled as much as we could out there to to get some traction, and then now we we've, we've really been able to cut back on that because our word of mouth is so strong. So when you opened that practice, you had the revenue coming when in your old practice, you had the revenue coming in from the exam, but not the sale of glasses. In that first year, what would you say kind of the split with your revenue, if you could guess, uh-huh. that was 15 years ago, <laughs> uh, was for optical versus, you know, eye exams and so forth? Yeah, we're roughly, I mean, we're on the same rough percentages. And I would say I think it's a little bit anomalous, but we're about 25% uh, exams and fees, 25% contact lens, 25% frames, and 25% lenses. That's our, our mm-hmm. rough-ish. So 50% optical. But if you look at the the numbers, we're you know we're 75% retail where we're selling products, and we kind of mm-hmm. joke that we're we're a retailer that happens to practice optometry in the back of the house. Yeah. So pretty much that first year, 
when uh-huh. you first started and you, you were seven figures, that meant that you more than doubled what you were doing in the other space because you didn't have any retail at that other space. And then when you moved over, it was boom, all hands on deck. That was fantastic. Uh, we, we actually doubled our performa the first year with our, our gross sales. The, the bad thing is that I, I was double in our expenses as well. So when you do those bank exercises for the performa, you could check every every box and cross every T. <laughs> uh, so we, we, I don't say we lucked out, but we, uh, we blew everything out of the water on both sides. So it was net zero, but it was a, it was a fun big number to kind of play with. Yeah. So the average practitioner does somewhere around 60, 40 split. You've heard that, right? So 60, 40 of the revenue comes 60% comes from the sale of products, but you're a lot higher than that. What do you mm-hmm. think makes you really good at that? We focus on it, That that really is our niche is that we do great optical and we make it unique. We've got a lot of specialty frames. We've got our own frame line. We do a lot of promotion for, like I said, the front of the house. Um, and that's just really where we've gravitated to from a, from a clinical standpoint. You know, I love doing contact lenses. So we've got a high uh, percentage of specialty lenses and fits in that category as well. So I think that brings in a, a certain type of person uh, because we haven't really embraced a lot of the uh, medical side and billing, which I know is heresy in our, our industry, but we've, we've strategically gone in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for, for, for people who, who may not know this, Jeremy and I are in a study group uh, along with Todd Cohen, who was recently on the show uh, and Dr. Brugic is on that. Uh, and the, the thing in our group that's always so funny is so many of us are really medically based and then Jeremy comes in with these incredibly high numbers and he's so retail based that we're pushing him in one side and he's pushing us on the other side. You know, in, in the end, it just makes us all better. But it's it's kind of this this huge <laughs> dichotomy between, you know, Brugic and my practice and your practice that we're always eager to learn those things from you. Because the other thing is you don't take medical insurance, correct? No, we don't. And like I said, I know that's... Uh heresy in the industry, but we've, we've just found our niche and we're staying in that lane and we're driving fast. And it just, it's something that we haven't uh, embraced good, bad, or indifferent. But like you said, we have a lot of fun conversations with that, but right now we've just mm-hmm. been, uh, we've, we've been staying in our lane. Yeah. We had a conversation at one point, I think it may have been over email about, you know, how do you collect your accounts receivable? And Jeremy's response was, well, I just checked my credit card statement. <laughs> That's where his account receivable is because, you know, he doesn't have these long old standing. So these patients are coming in, right? So somehow you have garnered uh, either a group of patients who are just ready to come in and dump money or more <laughs> likely you have uh, you have helped those patients see the value of the services, right? I mean, patients will only do that so long unless you can share with them the value. What is it that those of us who are not doing what you're doing are missing? And what's the one thing where you're like, man, if they would only, they would, you know, be cruising in the fast lane with you. Yeah. You know, honestly, I I think we've got three interns this summer. And what I told them is that our kind of our secret sauce is that our, our exam itself starts 
where every other optometrist exam ends. And what I mean by that is we all try to get through our stuff, right? You got to do your cover tests and your VAs and you're doing all the, the BIO or OptiMap or whatever you're doing. And, and you get your prescription and you kind of wash your hands because you, you've gone through it and you check those boxes. But that's where we start and we start doing different things. We start really making it personal. My goal is to elevate the energy level and really the psyche of that patient every single exam. I love when we get those grumpy patients and, and I get challenged by my front desk. They're like, oh, this one, she's in a bad mood or he's in a bad mood. What are you going to do with this one? And if I can get them coming out, giving me a hug, a high five, and just really raising that energy level, not just getting a refraction, not just getting a medical diagnosis, but really helping that human being. When you look deep in their eyes and their soul, and you can see that it's a human being there, not just an eyeball with a CPT code or ICD thing, Ten. Right? 10, 10, yeah, yeah that's it. Uh, when you get to that level, it, it just, it brings out this energy. And then when we come out to the front, when we're selling glasses, we've got music, we've got wine, we've got champagne, we've got a party atmosphere. And, you know, I tell our, our team that I want you to have as much fun as you possibly can have without crossing the line of being uh, of professionalism. Uh, now, I probably tiptoe that quite a bit with my New Jersey <laughs> background, um, but we have a blast all day long. And it is, it's wild, some of the, the days that we have, the, the trunk show parties that we have. It's, um, but it is, it, it comes about energy and not just finalizing your doctor role. If that makes sense. Yeah, you've you've created a culture of energy, right? That's mm -hmm. not something that just happens, right? I mean, it's you can hire people that have that, but keeping that up every day, because I imagine, despite the fact that I've seen you at some really high energy places, that's not how you walk into the office every day. You have to create that, right? At Disneyland, not everybody feels like a princess when they put the costume on every day, but they have to become the person that they need to be for our patients in your case. Yeah, that's exactly it. And when I, you know, I knock on that door before I walk in, it's like game on. And you're, you know, I, like I said, I'll refer back to the, the stuff I told my interns this summer is you know, the first time you see a patient, you, you've got to bring your A game and you've got to wow them with something absolutely spectacular because they may never come back and you've got to do something special and you really have to get that human connection. And when they come back the following year, because you won them over, you better step up your game and, and increase that level. So it's awesome to see the patients that are, you know, 15 years now in the practice or 20 years because they came with us from the, the retail location. They're still with us. Their kids are starting to come in. And I, I'm getting to that point now where the kids are starting to have the kids, which is mind blowing. <laughs> um, but it's a huge testament. You know, you're getting three generations and and they're giving you hugs on the way out. It's it's a really powerful, awesome way to Let's practice. Let's dig a little deeper, Jay. Yeah. So you say you've got to win them over, right? So some of us are hearing that we're giving them the best refraction or whatever it is. But but I don't, I don't know. They can get a good refraction somewhere else. Yeah. What, what are the things that you're telling your other doctors, right? Because you've got multiple doctors in your practice. Mm -hmm. You've got these interns. Like, what is it that you say is our way to grab a hold of that patient and connect with them? It's not that you cover tests better than anybody else, right? What is that thing? Like, tell me what that is that connects those people to you. Well, it's, they're not patients, they're human beings. And I know that's, that might be some semantical uh, razor's edge, 
But when you, when you look at the human being that's coming in and your job is to make them happier and healthier, as doctors, we try to make them all healthier, right? But do we really try to strive to do that happy part of it? And I'm not a woo-woo, like my wife kind of woo-woos, uh, but I do believe that there's a, a huge connection when you can raise that, that energy level of another human being when you're in that room together. There's so many things that they will tell you outside of the optical time. And, and I'm not, you know, we, we do a lot of patients. I mean, we do three to four an hour. So it's not like I'm sitting there just, you know, asking about everything about their, their personality. But uh, we do try to dive into one human aspect of that person with every encounter. And I cheat, I put notes in my, my chart and, you know, they, they kind of jog your memory and you, you remember that last time that they were in Italy or they just had a grandkid or something. And you bring that up and it's amazing. Some of the conversations that you have and, and I love it. I mean, that's why I love going to practice every single day is because I have so much fun. I get to hang out with 25 new friends every day and it's wild. It's just, um, it's just a great experience and, and it's different than just trying to get to the refraction and the, uh, the 90D. What I think is so important about that, and in and, and before Jeremy was my friend, actually, he came into my office and watched us do eye exams and so yeah. forth. And so he legitimately is this person is I think the difference between what you're doing and many of us are doing is we're walking in the exam room in order to give a patient, a prescription, right? Mm -hmm. You're walking in the exam room in order to make a connection. And I think that's the real key is that you're selling connections and solutions to problems as opposed to uh, just, you know, a prescription that people can walk out with. And I think that's a key component. And it sounds like you're surrounding yourself with a culture of people who you're assigning that very thing to them as well. Like go have a party, right? Go hang out with this person, sure. enjoy the time, right? Mm -hmm. Well, think about it. I mean, we always talk about doing lifestyle prescriptions, right? And you could you can go through your boring exam, flip your ones and twos, and then you could write out three prescriptions. And you you're basically on rote memorization, dictating here's your computer prescription, and here's some sunglasses, and you probably need this, but you don't know what they do. Like how how many people out there actually ask how many monitors are you working on? That's one of my my questions that we start, and that that opens up Pandora's box. And so when you can get somebody who's an accountant or an engineer that's on two or three screens, you could guide that customization conversation into their specific computer lenses based off of one, two, or three monitors. Well, think about how pow much powerful that is when you're prescribing that second and third pair, as opposed to just knocking out your refraction and saying, and I'm also going to put a prescription in here for your computers. It's taking it to the next level. It's specifying, it's knowing them personally. You know, if they're tennis players or pickleball, you could talk about their sunglasses with their pickleball lenses that they need something that's going to really support on their nose and hold behind the ears, et cetera, et cetera. You can get personal, personal with your prescribing as opposed to just knocking out three because the computer says so, or the, the CE class that we took said mm -hmm. you should always write three scripts. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Pickleball was just voted as the Washington State sport, by the way. I don't want to leave this conversation with, without specifically hitting on these trunk shows. Yeah, Tell us what you do in the optical for trunk shows. How do you market them? How do you have them? How do you reduce the cost on the cost of goods side for yourself? Great. So that's uh, that's something we've we've worked hard on the last fifteen years, and 
we've experimented with a ton of things. We've failed miserably on a lot, but we've, we've kind of gotten some big, I guess we've had some huge shows, I would say. Uh, the biggest thing is giving a patient a reason to come in. And as basic as that sounds, if you really sit down and say, why is somebody going to give up a Thursday night or a Saturday afternoon when I've got three kids, we're going to soccer practice, just because you've got shrimp cocktail or you've got some nice wine, it, it's not a compelling reason. You have to really give somebody a compelling reason. And once we got through that optical barrier, we walked away from the, you know, the trees to look at the forest. What's going to make me come out and give up my Thursday night? We started experimenting with completely different draws. The 40% off is not a big deal. Trying to get somebody to come in just to buy stuff on a discount to, to us was not a compelling enough reason. So we've had a couple of things that we've done. Uh, for example, like we do a, a bes- we have a bespoke center where we actually create custom frames where you can come in and pick out the plastics and the woods and the shapes and the colors, and you can design almost an infinite number of colors and materials and, and designs. So we're doing, we do an educational bespoking evening. Now on the side, on the back end, once they come in, yeah, we've got the wine and the cheese and we do the music and all that stuff, but that's not drawing people in. That's just kind of setting the, the party atmosphere and the ambiance afterwards. But people come in because they want to create their own frame. We do it as an educational workshop, as opposed to just come on in and buy our stuff at a discount. We actually found that you don't have to discount it. When we go through the educational process and you show somebody that they can customize their own frames, they're blown away. Now, do we kick something back? Yeah, we've got a little coupon just as an incentive, but it's not massive. That's not the draw. It's the education. Um, we've, got, uh, we've had an optician with us for almost 15 years. She just retired on us and uh, moved down to Nashville to be a full-time grandma, which I'm, I'm so happy and pissed off at the same time for her. <laughs> uh, but no, we love her. And so we're, we're going to bring her back because over 15 years, she's, she's built this following. And she's going to be our celebrity optician. And she's coming back. We're actually promoting her as the draw. And it's out of control. The people that have been built this, this friendship with our optician for 15 years are coming out of the woodwork because they want to see her again. And we're probably going to have our biggest drunk show ever. I'm, wow. I'm speculating, but, but that's just another, again, that's a draw. It's not a discount. We don't even know what frame line we're going to promote yet, but we're promoting something else. The other one that we do uh, every year, we, we, we're doing it up until COVID, which we're bringing it back this year, is on our anniversary, we do a huge international food and wine pairing with our frames. So we pick about seven or eight of the different countries that we have frame lines from, Japan, France, Italy, et cetera. And then we bring a food and a beverage from those countries. So we've got about eight stations. We bring in a chef. He comes out. He prepares some really cool food. We, we've got the pairing wines of, you know, French wine, or we've got uh, Japanese sake. And we just do it up so that, you know, with the sushi and sake, we've got these, these certain frame lines. And with the French ones, we've got, you know, the, the wine and cheese. It's been a blast. And so people, that's getting some traction. So people are coming in because they're getting free food. They're getting a really cool experience with the chef. And then they learn about all of our frames. Now, do they buy it that day? Eh, maybe, maybe not. We do okay. I mean, we don't, we don't, um, Nobody's going to starve in our office after these trunk shows. But if nothing else, it's a patient appreciation is how we kind of promote it. We always give away these cool gifts to the patients. And it's a patient appreciation experience for our anniversary mm-hmm. to help celebrate. Not, please buy my stuff, come in. And then you drop your, 
your price is through the roof. You're, you know, you're giving these 40% discounts that you don't need to do. And people are shooting themselves in the foot. They're going through, you know, $10,000, dollars worth of gross sales and their, their cost of goods are, are so high because they've, they've discounted so much. So um, those are just a couple of examples that we've done. And of course, you know, the, the bread and butter for, for the, the average clinic would be having a frame line that has a following. Your average bread and butter frames that anybody can get anywhere don't have a following. They're just purposeful. But if you've got some super unique frames, and it takes years to build this, but we've got this one frame line. We've got a couple of them that we, we send out flyers and mailers to those people that have purchased it in the last two years. And people who have bought that unique frame are really looking for that. They're excited. They come in because that's a unique experience because they've got a funky, crazy frame. They want to see more like that. And so sometimes the frame line itself could be the draw. Now, of mm-hmm. course, there you're going to give some of the discounts because the, the frames themselves are the draw. But um, yeah, I would say that's um, those are four of the biggest ways that we would do a, a trunk show promotion. Those are awesome. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's it's no small thing to make those big things happen, though. That's the thing is it's a yeah. it's work, but it's obviously been something that's evolved over 15 years mm-hmm. and grown into uh, grown into something awesome. Yeah. So I think my takeaway from our conversation today is don't treat the eyeballs, treat the people right and create something that people want to come back for. Right. Whether it's yeah. an optician that's been there for a long time food i want to come i just I want to experience <laughs> that right and then or having a unique product that people have a following for they're not following you it's just they're following you because you have something and that's uh that's a really really cool thing and hey they may look to another unique frame line and now you've got them on a hook for for more than one option right yeah, they like very that. cool yeah. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing is that when we when we start to look at our profession as a business and not just being narrow-minded optometrists, it, it opens up Pandora's box. And what else could we do for these human beings, not just optometric patients? And if people just sit and kind of noodle on that, you'll come up with a lot of really cool things. Yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks for hanging out with me on the OI yeah, show. It's uh, great to have you. Great seeing you too, man. It's uh, it's a lot of fun catching up. Yes, likewise. And thank you for joining us for this episode. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll see you again next time on DOI Show.